preaching. I call it teaching. Uh, teach, preach. <laughs> but uh, on the end times, the coming of the Lord, we haven't really gotten down to the coming of the Lord yet, but we're going to get there. But there's a whole lot of stuff that we need to understand so that we can be prepared for the coming of the Lord and be ready for the coming of the Lord. You know, when we first started, we talked about the end times and the things that are leading up in our nation, world and, and what's going on, the events, the world events that are taking place. And then we talked about the mark of the beast. We did that secondly. And we, 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 you know, we wanted to just kind of get that out there because that's what most people fear is that mark of the beast. And then we talked about uh, the alignment of the nations and, and uh, the end time. We talked about the seven different raptures that's mentioned in the Bible where people were actually raptured and taken out of here. And, uh, but there's going to be one final rapture one day, and that's the one we're going to participate in. Amen? But that's going to happen. But today, I want to minister on something else because there's something that we, as believers, the devil wants to put us in a position to where we do not, uh, well, a lot of people are losing faith today. I've had people tell me, they said, Brother Clarence, I've heard from we high to my age now, and I won't tell you what ages that they said they were, but... But I've heard it all my life. Jesus is coming. Now, I have too. And we need to continue that message. Because one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. But the thing is, speed things up just like that. And we're, we're, we're in preparation for the coming of the Lord. We're in preparation for the catching away of the church. Now, Somebody said, well, you know, and, and I want to preface this as we get ready to go into this this morning. Somebody said, well, I don't want, the church isn't going to be here for no, no persecution. <laughs> that's, that's a no-no. The church has always been persecuted. From the day one, Cain to this earth, and when he proclaimed himself as the king, and he proclaimed himself as the son of God, you know, they all... That was the thing that just really set them off. When he made that triumphal entry into Jerusalem, remember that? And I tell you what, that was saying he's the king. But he didn't come in like their king would come in. He didn't come in uh, with royalty on. He came in coming on a little donkey and down, and down the road there. But Jesus was proclaiming himself as the king. He is the king. He's the Lord of lords. And then Jesus was crucified, of course, and he resurrected on the third day. And from that, the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. They went into the upper room, and the same power that Jesus had fell upon them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible said they all spake with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I know there's a lot of people who say, well, I, don't, I can go along with the Holy Ghost, but not that tongue stuff, you know. Well, you know, Jesus even spoke in tongues. And the, Israel, the children of Israel, uh, the children of uh, the, the disciples, they were all part of Israel at that time or around that area. And they, they all, in, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible said it fell. God's message went forth. Supernatural things. And then Peter preached on the day of Pentecost 
on that day, and 3,000 got saved and were baptized in the name of the Lord. And they were baptized. And the church just kept on growing. Another time, 5,000 got saved. Multitudes started getting saved. Stephen was stoned. He was the first martyr that gave his life. Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul the Apostle, was standing there holding the coat when Stephen was stoned to death. But you know what? Stephen just lifted up his eyes and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. So listen, persecution's been here from the beginning as far as the church is concerned. We're not, we're not exempt from persecution. We're not exempt from somebody coming in and padlocking our churches. We're not exempt from that. All that means is we're going to have to meet somewhere else. We just have to meet in our homes. And that's what the disciples did. You know, they started meeting secretly. They had to get down into the into the uh, one of the catacombs. That was the graves or, or places where dead people were. And they had to get into the catacombs of, of Jerusalem there. And that's where they had church. And they lived and had church down in those days. So persecution's part of the church. I'm not going to be one of these false prophets that prophesies that America is going to be saved from persecution. No, we're not. If anything, America is going to be judged for the things that's happening in this nation of ours today. Because even modern churches and churches and pastors and ministers have forsaken the gospel. And they're preaching just a message of anybody can receive. you still got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe with all your heart. And believe that God raised him from the dead. And confess with your mouth. And rituals is not going to get people saved. Water baptism doesn't save anybody. Water baptism is only a sign that you're going through showing what God's done on the inside of you. And you're resurrected when you come up out of that water and to walk in newness of life. That's, it's, it's a symbol of that. Jesus was baptized. John the Baptist, uh, uh, all, all the disciples were baptized. What hinders me from being baptized? One man said, what there's water. What hinders me from it? Because it was a very significant thing. And water baptism is still very significant and very important. But we're, we have to understand that the church is, is still the target of the devil. Amen. God's people, Israel, has been a target of the enemy from day one. It's always been that way. Ever since Adam and Eve fell and Satan took over and became the god of this world, it's always been a battle going on. And there will continue to be battles going on. Now, mind you, I believe in America that we have been more blessed than any other nation in this world. We've had more freedoms than anybody's ever had in, in these worlds. I mean, you, when Germany came and Hitler rose up to power, and all of his popularity and his flamboyant speeches and all of this, it just, it just kind of hypnotized people and, and over there. And they, just, they were just hailing him as the, as, as the one, you know. And this is what happened. Mussolini in Italy, same thing. But all these things happened. Uh, Khrushchev. Now, there's, there's been, I, I'm going to study it out more, but there was, it was sad and it was pretty prominent when Khrushchev came off the scene. Remember when Khrushchev just all of a sudden 
He was gone. They said that he was raised a Baptist. He was raised as a Baptist. And he he came upon group. The Christians had to literally meet secretly in Russia. And this is what was stated. I read this in an article with some big denominational magazine years ago that they 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 you know they read up on they followed up on all of these facts. And but Khrushchev came. He was walking with his guards, and and he came upon a group of Christians that were uh, worshiping God. And of course, when they saw him, <laughs> they got petrified. And he said, oh, no, don't, don't fear. I was raised a Baptist. And this is what he was telling them there in the Russian language, of course. And according to the reports, he, he got saved. Now, Khrushchev was ousted out of government shortly after that. And Khrushchev, who knows what happened to him? <laughs> There's really, I mean, we get all kinds of reports but somebody said he was shipped off to Siberia or one of those places where they send the people, you know, and, uh, and and all of that. But, you know, God can even save. Hitler could have got saved if he had repented. Amen? Paul or Saul of Tarsus got saved and he stood there and laughed and jeered and said, <laughs> another bloody one. We did it again. Hallelujah. You know, and he was doing it under religion. But when he got saved, God knocked him off his horse, didn't he? And blinded him. And then Ananias came and laid hands on him. And not only did he get saved, he received the Holy Ghost. And then he went from there into the regions of, of the desert. And he stayed there. And there he got the revelations that God gave him that we have right here in this Bible. That we read every day. And we get a lot of our main doctrinal issues out of what Paul got. Because Paul was a very religious person. But now that he knew what those things that they did religiously, what they really meant. And now he could talk about what Jesus did for us. Amen. But yes, Jesus is coming soon. Amen. And I believe that. But God never intended for the devil to have the liberty that he's taken over God's people. I want to read a verse in 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Paul's writing this to young Timothy. He said, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is the mark of God that's upon us as individuals. And I tell you what, we, we've got, we have the mark of God. Now, I'm not saying some people won't give their lives for the gods, for the kingdom of God, but we have the mark of God upon us. They cannot destroy us. Amen? They cannot destroy us. But you see, the thing is, God's people have the hope and the and the faith in God and the hope that he is there with us. But God has marked us as his. And Israel was marked as God's chosen people. We're going to look at the mark of God this morning. But God wants us to realize something uh, that uh, the modernistic preachers uh, and, the, and, and, and listen, you don't hear the cross teaching or the blood teaching in many churches today. It's all socialist, socialism, or social gospel. Not, not social, well, I guess it could turn into socialism, but social gospel. 
you know, just come together. Nobody's taught really what true repentance is. Being forgiven. Some of them go through baptismals. But I want to tell you something. Water baptism does not save you. Water baptism only shows an outward sign of what God's done inwardly. And it's you following through with the commandments of God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's part of the, the, the teachings of Christ and, and the disciples as they were born again that day on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. You don't really hear a whole lot more, a lot about baptism. But listen, we don't want to teach people that water baptism saves them. It does not. Water baptism does not say you can go under a wet center, I mean a dry center, and come up a wet center. Water baptism. And you're not baptized into a local church. You're baptized into the church. The church of the living God. Every person. Listen, no, you're not baptized into faith assembly. You're not baptized into any other church. You're baptized into his church. The church of the living God. And so water baptism is important. But we, but that, that's also kind of a marking that God puts on us when we're baptized in that. But we're, look what we need to understand that uh, every believer that sold out 100% to God. Now, some people just haven't sold out to God 100% yet. You know? I've had people tell me, they say, well, Brother Clarence, I'll tell you what. Man, I love God. He's got my billfold, and I'll give you anything you need, but I sure hope God don't call me to Africa to go preach. Well, when you love God with all your heart, you're going to go wherever He tells you to go. And you're going to do whatever He tells you to do. Amen? Because when you love Him with everything that's within you. But look what the, the God of Israel is our God, as well as, the, as, as it was Israel. And look, this, this phrase was noted in the Bible several times. But Israel was noted as the apple of God's eye. And he's ever heard that phrase. Well, Israel was noted as the apple of God's eye. Look at Zechariah, verse, chapter 2, verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. This is God speaking through the prophet Zechariah there. Whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. Whatever demon comes after you, he's trying to touch the apple of God's eye. We're the apple of God's eye today. And so if the devil's coming after you, harassing you, he's coming against God. We're the apple of God's eye. How many knows you'd fight to the end for your children? Because they're the apple of your eye. Amen? We're, we're the apple of God's eye. And we need to understand Israel is still the apple of God's eye. Israel is still that. And look at uh, Deuteronomy 32.10. He found him in a desert land, in the wasteland, a howling wilderness, and he encircled him, he instructed him, and he kept him as the apple of his eye. He kept him as the apple of his eye. So God's desire is for every believer to, see the to receive the revelation of the cross. I tell you, once you get a revelation of the cross, Satan was defeated. Satan was defeated. That blood was for a purpose. All the suffering Jesus went through was for a purpose. So the preaching of the cross should be a rejoicing sermon for us because we have been redeemed, we've been liberated, we've been 
been set free. We're not in bondage any longer. And all of the things that God has prepared for us belong to us because we're now his possession. We're now his child. He's our father. We're his children. Amen? And this is what happens. And But we're the, we're, we're the apple of the eye. And the church is the apple of God's eye. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 9 through 10. The church represents God in this earth, displaying God's love and power in the earth. That's what the church... The church should resemble Jesus. The church should resemble Christ with the love, the joy, the peace, the charity. All of these things is what Jesus is. But look what it says. But you, in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise the Lord. Now, which in times past was not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I want to tell you something. Before we came to the Lord, we were just kind of out here in no man's land. But how many know when you found Jesus, you felt like you belonged somewhere? Now, you belong to him. You belong to the family of God. But then God wants you to belong to a local body, a local assembly, a local place where God's people gather together. And there's many, many places where the church is gathered together this morning. We're gathered together here as part of the body of Christ. And there's people all over this city and all over the state, all over this nation, all over the world that gather to worship God. They're in the house of the Lord today. But we're, we're, we're there and we're, we're the people of God. We've obtained mercy. And thank God we've got the mercy of God in our lives. Can you say amen? But Israel was acknowledged and God held the Israelites as the apple of his eyes even though they were rebellious and stiff-necked. How many of those Israel got rebellious and stiff-necked sometimes? They snubbed God. They just kind of snubbed him. And, uh, but, you know, in spite of it all, they were still the most cherished by God. God's people. And God's care for his people have not diminished with time. And uh, God holds his children close. But look at, uh, I want you to turn over to Colossians uh, 1, or you can read it up here with me, 19 through 29. Paul, again, is writing to the church of Colossae. And he said, in this, he said, For it pleased the Father, that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Aren't you glad God's brought you back? We've been reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death, this is how he did it, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And if you continue in the faith, <clears throat> grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you've heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, 
according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery, which have been hid from ages in the generations, now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in the mighty. Now, God has redeemed us. We're the, by the hope, we're the God, we found the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. But believers are the recipients. We're the recipients now for everything. See, God had Israel. God promised Israel some things. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But God promised Israel some things through Abraham. Abraham was the father. He's actually the father of Israel. And this is uh, uh, God chose him. God chose him. And, and Abraham had to submit to that call and receive what God said. But we're the recipients of the abundant blessings and protection of God. Believers are the righteousness of God in Christ. We've got, we got to first understand who we are. Amen? We're not just church members. You know? That's good. I've been a church member for 60 years, Brother Clarence. That's good. But how about, do you know who you are? Do you know that what you are? And we have been made the righteousness of God. Now look what it said in Romans 3, 21 through 24. This is Paul writing again. Now this is that, that fellow that was so religious and steeped in Judaism to the point of, uh, of killing Christians and doing all these bad things. But he said, now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God uh, through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I had a preacher friend of mine down in New York, right out of New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, his, I tell you what, he, he was a good preacher, a good man, and the church was doing good. But he preached one morning on the righteousness of God and, and what Jesus did and how he's made us the righteousness of Christ. And he was preaching on that, and he gave his altar call, and he said, excuse me, folks. He said, but I have never been born again. I'm going to be the first at the altar today. And he repented. And he received the Lord in his life that day. He was religious. He'd been to seminary. He did all the things he's supposed to do. He was a good man, but he wasn't born again. See, there's a difference. You can be a good person, but not be born again. Good people are going to be in hell one day. I don't believe God would do that. Must be born again. That's what Jesus said. Isn't that what he said? You must be born again. Listen, it, it's, it's not just for the Methodists or the Baptists or the Pentecostals, the Assemblies of God or the Independents or uh, whatever. It, it's for, you've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. 
And so we, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But that man, they fired him, by the way. But he went across town and he built a church running about five or six hundred people and just like that, you know, people were getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Why? Because he got a revelation of what Jesus really did for him and he was saved. And there's no difference. But look what he said. Uh, he said there's uh, no difference for all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption. So man can't make it, we can't make ourselves righteous. We can't make ourselves holy. It takes him. He is holy. He is righteous. So it's the righteousness of God in us that makes us acceptable in the presence of God. Amen? That's what it is. I tell you what, I, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care how many times you go to church, how many times you run around the building. Don't, don't, don't care how many times you, you do all the good works that you do. That don't save you. When you're saved, you do good works. When you're saved, you're going to get excited and shout. When you're saved and you know what the Lord's done for you, you're going to rejoice. And you're going to tell others about it. Amen. But that's the way it is. But the mark of God. Look at Ephesians 4 verse 30. It does not come by self-righteousness, our spiritual rituals, but only by revelation of the Holy Ghost. Look what Paul said. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, the day of redemption is what? When the Lord comes and redeems us. When, it, when I say the day of redemption, the Lord comes and receives us all unto himself. That's, we're, listen, Jesus, he's coming back after his church. He really is. Somebody said, well, I've heard that stuff all my life and I don't understand it. Well, you, you don't understand it because you may not be saved. <laughs> Because when you get saved, you're going to understand that Jesus is coming back. I don't know how it's going to all happen. I, you know, I just know it's going to happen. I know by the Word of God and the things that Jesus did in the Word. And, and we just know that He's coming, and He said He was, and we can go to the bank with what God says. And He said, I'm coming back for my own. Even those that's went on. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, the Bible said one day. Then we which are alive and remain should be called up to be with the Lord. So thank God. God's not going to leave anybody out. Amen? But, but we were sealed. But every believer born of God is an overcomer. Everybody say, I'm an overcomer. Look at 1 John 5 and 4. For, who, for everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. That's our faith. And believers are continuously. Listen, we're still talking about the mark of God. See, believers are continuously watched over and by the angels of God. God, listen, did you know you got, uh, there was a book that came out years ago. I don't know if you all remember it. Angels on Assignment. Uh, there was a Christian book that was written, I don't know, back in the 70s or somewhere along there. But Angels on Assignment. And I, I, I tell you what, we, I think we've, we've, we've misunderstood what angels are. They're not to be worshipped by no means. Amen? Jesus and God's only one to be worshipped. But angels are, they, they protect us. They keep us. And uh, we're watched over by the angels. Look at the, uh, Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. David got this revelation. Look what he said in Psalms 91, 11 and 12. 
he shall give his angels charge over you to keep thee in all thy ways, to keep you in all your ways. And in their hands they shall bear you up, the angels of the Lord, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So we're marked by God. We've got, listen, we've got angels assigned to us. I've got angels assigned to me. You've got angels assigned to you. And you know what about the angels? They don't have the spirit of Lucifer in them. You know, Lucifer wants to be number one. Oh, no. And these angels don't argue over, uh, well, I, I want to take care of Doris today. No, you're going to take care of Claudine. Oh, no, no, you're going to take care of Laura. No, I, I want the important ones to take care of. You know what? We're all important to God. Every child of God is important to God. We, 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 have, we have, listen, and we as members of the church and members of the church of the living God, we've got to be careful about exalting man because that's dangerous for them. For the person you're exalting, they can get puffed up in pride. I, I, I tell you what, I, I want to be careful about receiving praise. Now, I like a little pat on the back every once in a while. Everybody does, right? But I'm talking about where it's almost like we revere. We go, oh, oh, oh. You know, you know what? If the Lord tarries and the Lord moves me and pat on somewhere else, you know, later on, whatever, if that be the case, I don't think it is right now. But uh, but I'm saying, but you know what? I don't want people worshiping me. And you know what? I don't want to have to be kind of uh, sized up by the previous pastors. You know why? Because we're all individuals. And we all have an assignment from God. Now, there have been great pastors here. Amen. And there have been great pastors through the years. But you know what? Most of them have gone on to be with the Lord. But the thing is this. God still raises up sometimes. And, but you know what? I, I don't want to be revered or worshipped or, or, how many understand what I'm saying? Or exalted and lifted up? I, you know? I, the only one has to tell me I, I'm a great preacher is my wife. <laughs> no, we, we, listen, everybody loves encouragement. Amen? I mean, if you want to say, Brother Clarence, have a great preaching today. I'll receive that. But how many understand what I'm saying? We don't, we don't want worship. We don't want exaltation above anybody else. Because you know what? We're all part of the same family of God. We all just have different positions. But every position is important. Amen. person that meets people at the door, that's important because that's the first, that is the first thing that people see when they come into a new church. If it's, is it a smile? Well, we've got two more here, Brother Clarence. No, <laughs> we don't have people like that anyway. But, you know, the thing is, we, but every position is important. Everybody's important in the house of God. Amen? But the angels of God have been given charge over every one of us. It's not just the pastors. It's not just the evangelists. It's not just the apostles. It's not just the prophets. It's not just the, 
the, the heads of church organization. Listen, every member of the body of Christ has God's protection and angels assigned to you. Praise the Lord. That ought to make you feel good. The angels of God. I, one preacher I had, I thought he was kind of, you know, up here a little bit. Uh, I mean, but he wasn't. He was really on fire for God. But, but he, it's a, uh, uh, just a minute, Brother Clarence, you, you almost said on my angel there. <laughs> I said, what? Well, you know what? Hey, maybe he could see things in the spirit realm that I wasn't seeing that day. But the angels were there. Amen? I said, they're around all of us, and they're for us today. Can you say amen? But everyone's been born of God, overcomes the world. This is a victory that overcomes the world. What? Our faith. Our faith in the Lord. Now, he gives his angels charge over thee to keep you in all your ways, lest you dash your feet. Now, we're talking about the, the sign of God upon people. Abraham is, well, they call him Father Abraham. Because Abraham is the father, the spiritual father. He's the one that God chose in a land of idolatry. Abram, Abram, he lived in uh, where Nimrod was the king or the ruler. And isn't it amazing how shortly after the flood, the world got populated? I mean, it just repopulated. And all of a sudden, You've got, you've got kingdoms like this where Nimrod, abortion was taking place. They were taking the young women and taking the babies out and offering the, the fetuses and the babies up unto their God that they were worshiping. Uh, Abram was living, his name was Abram at the time, was living in that kind of activity around him. But you know when God spoke to him one day? He said, get out from this country. And he took his father with him. His father was a good man. But his father was not going to be part of the uh, birthing of a nation. It was going to be Abraham. And Abram took his father. His father got ill on the way down. But Abram stayed by his father's side until he died. And he buried him. You know, God honors that too. And God honored that in Abram. But when Abram left, God told him as he got going down the road, he said, now lift up your eyes and behold all the lands that you see. He began to name them off there in Genesis 12. And he said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Now Abram didn't have nothing but him and a few servants. And you know that he was he was leaving uh, that country with, and he was leaving and following the Lord. And he said, "But well, I'm going to make a great country out of you. All this land, all of this land." And he began to name off the regions. Israel does not have all the borders yet, by the way, but they're going to get them all. Israel will get everything that God gave them in the time. It will happen. It's expanded a lot. And I'll tell you that Six-Day War in 1967 was quite a, quite a feat. Was it 67 when that took place? I think it was. Somewhere along there. And uh, maybe it was before that. I think it was 67. Uh, anyway, if I'm wrong, well, somebody will correct me. 
But the Six-Day War, all they had was a little bitty spot. You know, 1948, they were given just a little bitty spot. They didn't even have possession of Jerusalem. But now they got possession of Jerusalem. Amen. That's why the Antichrist is going to be there one day, and he's going to offer the uh, sacrifice upon the altar uh, with a pig and all of that that's, that's against the rituals of Judaism and going to offer it there. Well, yeah, but you know what? God's going to give the territory that when you see the territory God gave Israel in the beginning, this little spot that they've got now, even though it's expanded, is not all God's going to give them. One day they're going to have it all. And one day they're all going to be coming, converging down upon them again. Because the devil wants to snuff out the seed of God. That's his business, to snuff it out. But Abraham received, look what it says in Romans 4, 11 and 12. Abraham actually received the mark of circumcision as a seal of righteousness. He was marked of God. And he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Now, spiritual circumcision is, is, is important. Because when we get saved, there's a spiritual circumcision that takes place in our heart. And we are circumcised to follow the Lord. And we're going to do what God told us to do. But we're today, we're, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also having believed. Now look what it says. You were sealed. With that Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. To the praise of his glory. So you know. When we're born again. This is what Paul was saying. We're, we, are, we are sealed. And we're marked. See circumcision. Was something that the children of Israel. Had to have. That was part of their. Uh, a mark on, of God upon them, they were the blessed of the Lord. In fact, when they had servants and people of other nations that joined up with them and they wanted to become part of them, they had to be circumcised. That was a, it was a sign and a mark of God. Now, we don't get a physical mark today, but we're marked by the Holy Spirit. We have that mark of God in our lives. So believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit because that's what he said in Ephesians. He said, after you trusted the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, God marks his people. Hallelujah. We're marked. Not that you know a lot of people today want to think that people of different nationalities because of their colors and things, they're marked. I want to tell you something. God's not looking at the outside. God looks at the heart. I don't care what color anybody is. If they've been born again, they're my brother, my sister, and the Lord. And we're part of the
of the same family of God. It doesn't matter. We're, we, we got, listen, if you've got prejudice in you, shame on you. If you've got prejudice in you, ask God to forgive you. Because I want to tell you something. One day we're going to need each other. Hallelujah. And we're going to have to just realize that we are the one family and that spiritual circumcision makes us one. And But we're circumcised by the Holy Spirit being in our lives. And the children of Israel had that mark upon them. And uh, uh, anyway, but, that, but there's five verses. I'm going to go down, uh, Sherry, to just a minute. There's five verses about the Bible that refer to a seal of God as an uh, object or person sealed by God. And over in uh, uh, John 6, 27, He said, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. God the Father has set his seal on him. Look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, uh, stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. John went a little bit further, didn't he? Or Paul did in Timothy. Let him go a little bit further. Look at uh, Revelation 7, verses 2 through 4. Where we're still talking about the seal of God. God knows his own. God knows who we are. And God's going to protect us, and God's going to keep us. God, God's, God's hand is upon us. God's life is in us. Amen? But look what it said in Revelation 7, 2-4. Now this is where John was on the Isle of Patmos. And God was giving him the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is the end time actually in the Revelation. The book of Revelation is talking about what's going to be taking place. But look what he said in Revelation 7, 2-4. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east. Having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God on our foreheads. Now remember, the book of Revelation is talking about tribulation. But when it talks about the wrath of God, that's not what we've been appointed to. Tribulation and persecution has been here from beginning, day one of the church. Tribulation, persecution. The great tribulation is going to be the trying of people. We're going to see some things happen during the great tribulation. Now, I'm hoping we're not here to see it, but you know what I'm saying. It's going to, there's going to be some things that happen and unfold. But the Lord was saying that the ones that are marked by God, that these that when God sends his wrath, see, God's going to send his wrath upon this earth. God is going to judge this earth. The book of Revelation begins to unfold some of these judgments that God does. Now, this is where Paul said, we've not been appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, we've not been appointed to the wrath of God. Can you say amen? Now, persecution... I'm not saying we won't be persecuted. I'm not saying that there won't be persecution. But God's got his mark on us. But you see, the thing is, the wrath of God is what is being talked about here. That's 
when God's wrath is poured upon us. And Paul said, we have not been appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord. We've not been appointed. That's why we're not going to be when, when, these, when these things hit. But listen, there's tribulation, and then there's the great tribulation. The church has seen tribulation ever since it was formed. But the great tribulation is when God pours his wrath upon this world. Now that's the end of the tribulation period. There's a seven year period there. But towards that last end of it is when God's wrath is poured upon this world. We've not been appointed to wrath. Can you say amen? But somebody said, well, are you going to be here? I hope not. I don't think we'll be here for that part. <laughs> but the thing is, there'll be people saved during that period. There's going to be people born again during that period. And they're going to have the mark of God. So God's wrath won't affect them. But I'm saying God's wrath. Because we've not been appointed to it, and we've, been, we've got the uh, seal of God. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Now, on down Revelation 9, I want to read this scripture to you also. You can see it up here with me. Revelation 9. Uh, well, let's see. Well, I'll start with verse 2. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. A few things are sounding. Is, it, is this where we're at here? Uh, I don't know where I'm at here. Okay. I'm getting there. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway, we're going to read this one anyway. <laughs> uh, Revelation 9, 1 through 10. Do you have that one? The fifth angel sounded. That's what we got. That's where we're at. Okay. I, I may have put it down wrong here. The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottom of this pit, and smoke rose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the air of the pit. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were committed, commanded not to harm the, uh, the grass of the earth, or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. See, God sealed them in during this great tribulation period. Only those that were sealed by the seal of God, and they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death, will not find it. They'll desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of, of the locust was like horses prepared for battle, and on their head were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. The power was to hurt men for five months. They stung them and hurt them. Oh, but we've been sealed. Everybody say, I've been sealed. <laughs> we've got God's seal upon us. However, how far we go into these things, God's seal is up on his people. We're sealed by the Holy Ghost. 
When we're born again, there, there's a seal that God puts upon us. And the devil, we're God's possession. We're God's property. And the devil doesn't have any right whatsoever during this end time to, to overpower God's people in that sense. Amen? Now, the word sealed means to stamp with a private mark. How many glad? How many believe you got the seal of the Holy Ghost on you? You've been stamped with a private mark by God. Mine. Paid for. <laughs> Paid in full. They belong to me. But that's what the seals were. They were, they were uh, uh, used for official business by a Roman centurion, for instance, might have a sealed document that was meant only for the eyes of the superior. And if the seal were broken, one receiving the document would know that the letter had been tampered with or read by someone else than the sealer. But Paul speaks of the seal of God in the context of foundational truth. Paul speaks of the seal of God. And he tells Timothy, these false doctrines are circulating. Some people are trying to destroy the faith of believers. How many knows that there's a lot of false doctrines coming forth today? There's a lot of false doctrines in so-called, quote, double quote, full gospel churches. I'm false doctrines. I'm talking about false doctrines. I'll tell you what. You better know your Bible when someone's telling you something and be able to refute it. Or agree with it. Amen. If we know the word, we won't be deceived. But it's important. But it, it, we, we need to understand the, the seal of God. Paul speaks of the seal of God. And uh, because he tells Timothy, false doctrines are circulating. See, they, they had a lot of false teachers back then in those days. Uh, even during Paul's day, Peter and John and all the disciples, they had false teachers to rise up. And he said... Uh, that these false doctrines and some people are trying to destroy the faith of believers. Listen, the faith of believers is trying to be destroyed today. I mentioned the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, you know, this woke, how many ever heard of a called the woke movement? Y'all heard of that. It's, it's, they're operating fervently in the school systems. They're operating in the universities. They're operating everywhere. But they're also operating in some of our major Christian, religious, or supposedly Christian, religious theological seminaries. The woke movement. What is the woke movement? They don't believe in God like we believe in God. They don't believe in, in, in salvation like we believe in salvation. And they also, they're involved with this, this international move that's causing a lot of uh, racism and a lot of uh, people against other people, that, that's all part of the woke movement. And they're, they're trying to take God out of everything. Our country was founded on Christian principles. That's exactly the way it was founded. Because all of these people that came over from the other side of the ocean came over here to establish a country under God. And be under God. And that's what it was. You read the preamble and you read the, the Constitution and you read all of the things that's in there. It gives us freedoms and rights as believers and as American citizens. And it's right there in black and white for us to read. But the woke movement is trying to take over. I've noticed pastors that I've known for several years that 
that uh, they asked me to come one time to preach, and I went over to preach, and when I walked in, I didn't something didn't feel right, Sister Clausen. <laughs> and something was not right. And they had great music. They had great singers. But some of the songs were not redemptive songs or uh, uplifting songs for the Lord. It was just anybody could sing it. Anybody could make it happen, you know. Um, in fact, I was told when I walked in, you know, and I had a tie on that day. And listen, whether you want to wear a tie or don't want to wear a tie, that don't mean nothing to me. But I have this conviction. I, I believe that a minister should be, you know, when you walk into church, somebody ought to be able to point out the preacher. You, you go to a courtroom, you don't go in that courtroom if you've got any dealings in there as an attorney or, or anything like that. You've got to wear a tie. Judges have to wear ties. Amen? Now, I'm not saying the tie makes the preacher. How many understand what I'm saying today? But I'm saying I don't want to go so far and get so far out in, in liberality that we forget that we're supposed to be examples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, most of you, if I come walking through that door with my thongs on my feet and didn't have no socks on and, and uh, I had a, uh, a shirt on just a strap with, you know, a shirt and on the muscle shirts, you know. Well, I wouldn't wear a muscle shirt right now, you know. But, but you know, it's a, uh, but, but you know, and, and tight jeans, and oh man, I think some of you say, well, "What's got into Brother Clarence?" Now, mind you, I'm not religious enough to say everybody's got to wear a tie. Have understand that? I have my convictions. I have my preference. I have my my feelings. But I do believe that we should respect the house of the Lord. And I believe we should reverence the house of the Lord. And I, I believe that we, should, we, we, we shouldn't uh, mock and have mockery and worship or anything like that. Because we're worshiping God. And it's in our praises that he begins to manifest himself in our worship. And we just need to let God be God. Amen? I don't know how to go on that. That's okay, isn't it? I'll get back on track. I'm back on the main road now. Amen. We're almost done. <laughs> but we've been marked. Everybody say, I've been marked. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it, it, faith is involved in it all. I want to read in 2 Timothy 5, verses 15 through 22. Paul wrote this to Timothy. He said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings. Who does not need to be ashamed. Uh, uh, idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of the sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. See, back, back during these days, 
Jesus hadn't been gone too long, had he? And they already had false teachers coming in. False prophets. And saying that the resurrection and that they may overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. God knows who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleans, cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor and sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace for those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The thing I wanted to emphasize this morning, we're marked. You can't hide if you're a believer. Amen? You cannot hide what God's done in your heart. Because when you walk into darkness, that light's going to shine. And people are going to recognize it. They're going to see it. And in this end time, God's people are going to be able to walk and they're going to be recognized because of the power and the glory of God that's in us. And they're going to see that God is on our side. Can you say amen? Listen, there is a distinction between those who walk with God and those who are religious. You can be religious and not walk with God. But those who walk with God, you feel something. The religious people, you feel something too, but it's carnality. True believers have been sealed and marked by God. How is a true believer today? Been washed in the blood? Praise God. Now, and, and hopefully everybody's been baptized. I believe in water baptism. I believe water baptism is not essential to salvation, but I believe it's something that we need to do because there's a spiritual thing that happens when you go under the water. There's a spiritual circumcision that takes place. And that old man is stripped away. You come up to walk in newness of life. That's what it's all about. You go down as uh, an old creature, come up as a new creature. Amen. And that's what water baptism symbolizes, and that's what it is. You're saved by faith. You're saved through the blood of Jesus. But that's just symbolizing what we have. And we, we're, we've been sealed and marked by God. And we just need to lift our hands toward heaven because our redemption draws nigh. Amen. I saw a sign one time in a book, I was reading this in the book, uh, it was talking about people that was going out west, you know, and but this sign was there, it said, the coward never started. The weak fell by the wayside, but the strong reaped the reward. Well, there's going to be a great falling away in this end times, but I'm not going to be part of that falling away because I'm going to be strong and reap the reward. How many wants to reap the reward? I tell you what, God, God's got something big. There's something up God's sleeve that's bigger than anybody can even think of for this end time. I believe we're going to see revival. We're going to experience revival. We're going to experience some things that God's going to do. But you know what God's got to do? He's got to 
shake some of his people loose from traditions and shake some of his people loose from carnality and shake some people loose from just living their own life and submitting 100% to God. This is what God's wanting in all believers. I don't care what church you go to, as long as it's a Bible church, believe in God and in Jesus. But, you know, we just need to understand God's people. We're one. We're one. I tell you what, we're all together in this thing. And God's going to bless and God's going to move. But we're marked by God. We have the mark of God on us. Hallelujah. Now, I tell you what, when the devil comes by in your house, he's going to say, hmm, what am I going to do to them today? Well, I don't know. They got up early and they've been praying in the Spirit. They're singing songs of joy. They're talking about, you know, it is no secret what God can do. And you know, I, yeah, I tell you what, we need to get up every day praising the Lord. Every day. Starting our day off with God. Because we're marked by God. I tell you, I'm marked for a blessing today. You're marked for a blessing today. Sometimes we don't even know where the blessing's going to come from. I was in a store the other day. Got a phone call. Said, somebody wants to meet you over here in aisle six. I said, aisle six? Okay. I went over there, and they blessed us. They blessed us. I wasn't going to, I didn't, I wasn't expecting no blessing. I mean, as far as, a, you know what I'm talking about materially. But, you know, what I'm saying is, God has your number. We're marked. God's people are marked. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word. Thank you, Lord, that your word's true. God, that we know you're coming soon. And that you have the mark of God upon us. And because that mark is up on us, we have what you say we have in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Well, you know what? There's no secret what God can do. It is no secret what God